Today's podcast is brought to you by Blue Canary. The bird has landed on beautiful Bainbridge Island, conveniently located at 499 Madison Avenue. ASE Master Technician Clint Ramsey brings over 15 years of experience, award-winning diagnostic skill, and a desire to reinvent the automotive repair experience. Schedule an appointment online at bluecanary.biz or call them today at 206-451-4220. This segment of the Bystander Podcast is brought to you by Eagle Harbor Insurance. We don't sell insurance, we help people buy it. This has always been their motto and continues. They understand every family has different insurance needs, be it coverage or premiums. No two cases are the same, and they will always do their best to guide you into the proper coverage to fit your budget. They are here to help anytime. Give them a call at 206-842-7410 or contact them online at eagleharborinsurance.com. Our podcast is brought to you by That's the Sum Pizza. Using a 120-year-old starter from the Klondike Gold Rush, they make unique sourdough crust that can't be found anywhere else in the world. That's the Sum Pizza also delivers wine and beer. Call 206-842-2292. Order online at thatsthesum.com or download That's the Sum Pizza app on Android and iOS. Congratulations to the team of Alan Raymond and Will Grant, who brought home the first place trophy from the recent Caputo Cup at the Pizza and Pasta Show in Atlantic City. I got something for your mind, body, and soul. do this um, i'm not i don't know that i've done a podcast i think so let's get the mic around our chin i okay. think you've talked into one of those once or twice yeah and then hit the headphones on and see how it sounds to you you're a hat man like me yeah i love hats <laughs> i hit that shop um on third avenue and pike yeah i've been there i haven't been there recently because i live out in Edmonds. is this okay on here yeah it's good okay um and um so I don't get downtown as often as I used to. Like when I I, used, I lived on Queen Anne and I lived down there, but now I'm out in Edmonds, so I don't I don't go down there as much. So I'm looking online, you know, for stuff. Right. But I, I love. There's another hat shop on. Uh, I think it's on Second or First now. I walked by it one time, but I didn't have time to stop, and I wanted to go in. You know, all the hats are looking in. I yeah. just want to. I, I want to go in there and try on everything. <laughs> that hat shop. I've, I found it. Back when K Fox was around. Oh yeah, and I used to work at this club called Baccarat. On, yeah, I on remember Virginia. that place. Remember that spot? Yeah. Oh, yeah. with swank. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, so, that was a while ago. That was like eighties, maybe or. Yeah, easily. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember that place. But Leroy Shoemate had a. Leroy Shoemate. Yeah, he's uh, he has uh, Leroy's. Yeah, he just passed away last year. Oh no. Yeah, I remember going down there. I went down to TJ's for. Uh, um, I didn't know he sale on that that was advertised on K Fox that we did a promo at Bakra, but yeah, Leroy remembered every single person. That's why I met him. Leroy's yeah. was across the street from TJ's. Yeah, and then he hit me to the hat shop. Yeah, he, Leroy's a funny dude. I uh, one of my first jobs that I ever had was with him. He had a place called Now. Here's a story. He had a place at the Tacoma Mall. When I lived in Tacoma, and it was called Bernie's, 
Yeah. He was managing, I don't know if it was his place yeah, it was then. Bernie Brotman's. Yes. Yeah, right. That started Costco. Yes. And I that, worked there too. Oh, really? Yeah. Get I, out I of here. worked there for a minute. Yeah. He had me in there. I was folding up the clothes and selling some items. And then I, you know, and I'd see him from time to time. And then every now and then he'd always go, hey, Leroy. And I go, it's Leroy, Leroy. <laughs> He's a cool dude, man. Wow, that's too bad. I didn't know he passed away. I guess it was pretty swift and the store closed down. Yeah, I knew the store was closing down, but uh, they'd tried to close him down before because, yeah. you know, and I just thought, Oh no, he's gonna he's not gonna let that slide. You no, know, he's but, a clever, smart man. Yeah, extremely fit. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's why I was surprised. Eyes on the street before there was police cameras. Oh yeah, he knew what was going on. Connected man. with everybody. Mm-hmm. Athletes, wow. street folk. Yep. Police. Everybody. Everybody. Yeah. yeah, it was a good guy. Damn. Yeah, sorry to that. start the podcast off with some bad. Yeah, I didn't know. Reminiscing. That. Wow. A, yeah, we wish you man. Yeah. Well, welcome to Podcastville. Well, thank you. Studio we got a little 15. bit in common here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I, lo- I love soul and R&B, and uh, I think you have a very soulful voice. Thank you. And not that raspy, you know, I've smoked too many cigarettes my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> I've smoked a few, but not too many. I don't smoke now, but uh, yeah. I think a lot of it's just from age and just kind of getting maturing in the voice. Yeah, you get smarter. Yeah. Wiser, so, better. Yeah. I like it better now than I did when I, I, I listen to old recordings of me and I go, oh, well, my voice sounds so clean and high. And then I listen now and I go, I like it more now. It's a little more uh, to it, you know. <laughs> so what's cracking right now? What, what are you um, We're into? just, we're, uh, I'm always writing songs. So I, I've got a few new songs that I haven't even taught the band yet that I just kind of released on Spotify and stuff. I'll do like, I have a little studio in my house. And um, so I'll write stuff. And and produce it right there. I'll just play all the instruments. You know, I just play guitar and, and keyboards. You know, and I've got um, uh, Pro Tools at home and and the whole thing. So I just I'll slam out songs. And then if I write one that I think the band would be good on, then I'll go, Hey guys, let's let's do this. And, but uh, you know, I've just been a songwriter all my life. So a lot of times I'll write songs that aren't necessarily for me to sing. Mm-hmm. You know, that I think somebody else could do this song, you know. Right. Like even Prince, he he wrote one for Chaka Khan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes I'll write a song and go, I could hear so-and-so doing this song. But I don't think I'd really want to do it, but I, I like the song, but I could hear somebody else doing it. And so that's what I do. And um, right now we've been, we just added a new guitar player to the band. So you got three friends? Yeah. <laughs> three and a half friends now. Right? Nice. <laughs> no, I had... Uh, before it was uh, me, Terry, um, Bill, and um, and a keyboard player. Um, I don't know if you've seen us with the keyboard player or not. Because sometimes not we've had um, and Daniel Walker, who's been our keyboard player for the last few years. But sometimes he's not here because his main job, because they're paying him well, is uh, he's been on the road with Ann Wilson for about on and off. So. A lot of times I'll miss some of our gigs. Now, what happened to Hart? Why did they break up? That is a story that's, I don't know if I should spread gossip, but the girls had a little um, thing happen that came down between Nancy's kids and Anne's husband. A falling out of sorts. I won't go into detail because I'm, it's all what I've heard, so I don't really know. And anyway, and I think they wanted to kind of try something different. So they've kind of um, uh, got two different bands going. So Nancy's got a band, and Ann's got a band. Ann just finished doing a record, and which um, my friend uh, Daniel's on, and, and so he's out with her again. So we'll use another keyboard player tonight. But um, they're doing well. You good, know. good, good. Yeah. I used to see her at La Testa Vin, a French restaurant on Lower Queen Anne. Oh, she come in there quite a bit. She, mm-hmm. she loved that French food. Yeah. Uh, you got some history, and I got. I want to. Yeah. I want to stay on point, but I don't know. I'm probably going to be all over the shop with you. Just let you know now. It's all good. Good. Um, grew up in military family in in Fort Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of effect does the military have on on children? You think I? I've seen some some good and some bad. I've seen some people come in and say, you know, I was. I never found friends because I was constantly moving in the military. And then other people say, hey, 
was the best experience. My family traveled from here to there and got different cultural experiences. What well, was it like for you? I think that a little bit of both. I think um, it was a lot of fun because I made some some friends who are still friends to this day in Germany because um, we lived in Germany quite a bit. But to answer the other side, yes, there is a there's a side of it that you don't a lot of times make close friends. And I think that the effect that it has is it's easy to not commit as thoroughly to relationships. And I think that is a true thing. When, you, when you're used to moving every two years or three years, I think you just self-preservation, you tend to not get too close to people because after a while you realize you're not going to be there that long. And so that can kind of taint your relationships later on when you're growing up, you know, like everything lasts two years. Okay, it's time you know, to move on. Yeah. And you kind of kind of come to terms with that. But as far as the traveling and being able to see other cultures and other things like that, I think that's wonderful. And uh, in fact, uh, the first band I played in was in Germany and I was 13. And one of the guys I played in, I just saw him two years ago. No way. He contacted me on now um, Facebook and all this stuff after I did the X Factor. He saw me, his, his kids saw me and said, didn't you play with a guy named Roy Bell, an American? And mm-hmm. they found him and he found me and he talked to me. And then I went to Europe with my son when he graduated. And they said, you got to come over. And, and we hung out. I mean, this was 50 years later. That's crazy. Yeah. That's a good side of social media, right? Exactly. Yeah. There's some really cool stuff. There's a whole lot of bad stuff. But yeah, you grew, I have an 11-year-old. What's your son, 19? About now? He's 20 now. 20? Yeah. He probably got in right when it was happening. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, to him, yeah. it's no big deal. But uh, but we're, as a father, at the beginning, were you to that point where, I don't know what this is, stop it. Oh, and yeah. I did mean, he make a million mistakes online and stuff? He and didn't do too forward? badly. Um, he did a few mistakes, yeah. I mean, we were watching him pretty close, but um, he he didn't go too far off kilter. And I think uh, maybe coming from a military background, I tend to be a little bit strict, you know. Um, slap the Twitter out of him? <laughs> <laughs> I slapped the Twitter out of you. <laughs> um that's a good one. I uh, I think he's um, – and he's taken to that. I think a lot of times kids need boundaries and stuff. And I think um, – They need discipline. They need discipline. They need boundaries within reason. You can't go completely hog wild because then all they'll do is just, you know, rebel. But um, I think he did well with that. And I it, to the point of where he's even said it now because he's seen some of his classmates that have just kind of gone off the deep end and he's going – Dad, I, th- I think you were. It was okay to be as strict as you were, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I th- I'm glad to hear it. You know, it's just, it was all for your benefit. <laughs> you know, yes. It's like uh, and mine too. I guess I didn't want to come get you out of jail all the time. <laughs> right. But uh, I think that military, that part of it, there's some good things to learn. You I know, went to football camp at Fort Lewis, so I kind of know the layout. We were there for a week in high school. But back then in the 80s, there wasn't much development around Fort Lewis. It was oh. kind of an area where people stopped in and got right, out. Right, And now Tacoma seems like it's developing mm-hmm. quite large. How do you see the landscape shaping up around that area where you used to grow up? Well, I, you know, I only spent um, – we moved from Germany when I was 15 out to Parkland then. Okay. Um so it really wasn't even Tacoma then. Uh, it was Parkland, and, and my dad was stationed at Fort Lewis at the time. And um, then he retired about a year or so after that, two years, three years after that. And then he moved in to uh, – we were still with him then. He moved in. We had six kids. So, you know, then we moved into town, uh-huh. uh, in Tacoma town kind of. And, um, and it was – it was pretty cool, you know, at the time. I, I thought it was fine. You know, I wasn't used to a, a big city, and it was big enough for me. Right. So, um, you know, I was fine with it. Um, after moving away, I think, you know, now I see it as a little bit smaller and maybe, but, um, you know, in hindsight, it was fine. And you're out in Edmonds right now? Yeah, out in Edmonds. The I thing I like about there. Tacoma is, is diversity. Yeah, it's my son diverse. plays in Tacoma. Yeah. 
I like going out there. Yeah, that's the nice thing about it. You know, you go out there, you see everybody. Everybody's out there. You know, well, Seattle now too. Seattle, sure. Seattle's getting that way too. It's completely melted. Yeah, I like yeah. it. Yeah, but I wouldn't want to live downtown anymore. No, uh, no. I used to want to live downtown when I was. You know, early 20s. I yeah, thought, oh, sure. this is the spot, man. It was. Clubs and Belltown and all the stuff. But now, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, think about all the great music that came out during mm-hmm. that time. There was, a, I think it was a 5 or $10 cover in Pioneer Square, and you got into 15 clubs. Oh, yeah. And there was somebody playing good always, mud, always. mud Honey. Uh, you could go down Mother the street and, yep, all you could see all things. kinds of stuff. And yeah. you see them all on the same night. Mm-hmm. You see Nirvana, all that stuff. Crazy, and then the crocodiles seemed to have Crocodile, a lot of right. bands coming through that were influential, kind of the new wave punk scene mm-hmm. coming through. Black Flag and right. bands like that. Oh yeah, they had a ton of. Uh, well, that's why Seattle kind of got on the map after that. You know, all these bands exploded out of there. But um, but even before that, out of Tacoma, there was bands coming out of there back in the seventies and and stuff like that. Um, um, funk bands and. Stuff like that, you know. Yeah, Kenny G was chasing around yeah. a bunch of people. Yeah, Capitol Hill and Tacoma, they had quite the, quite the music scene there. Mm-hmm. So, how young were you when you actually got on stage and sang? You know, I first I was probably thirteen or fourteen. But, you know, when I first started that first band, and we were reminiscing when I went back to Germany, I had one drum. I was a drummer then. Mm-hmm. I have one drum. <laughs> Two sticks. We, <laughs> we didn't even have amplifiers. We played through a, uh, back then it was called a, um, it was a tape deck. Real to real type thing? Yeah, and you could plug in that way and use that as a, because uh, they had little speakers in it, and you use those for amplifiers. We didn't have amplifiers then. Mm-hmm. You know, we couldn't afford them. I went and, uh, through the cassette deck and yeah. the eight track and the all, vinyl. all that stuff. Yeah. Do you have any eight year old vinyl? Not much. Not much. I probably have Living Up Friday Night and a couple other, you know, records that I we did back in the eighties. Living it up. How did that change your world? You must have been young when that I was hit. about twenty six, somewhere around there. Yeah. Did that make you feel like you were Oh, it made me feel like I was on top of the world, man. Going straight to the stars. I thought that nothing was ever gonna change, that it was just gonna be rocket. Ascending, ascending, yeah. ascending. Yeah. <laughs> and then it went you know, it's like it's like real life, you know? I mean, nothing ever just keeps going up. You know, it either plateaus or you go up and you go back down and you go back up or you hopefully you go back up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's uh, that's the music business, though. What was it like uh, me and Dick Clark? Dick Clark was funny because I'd seen him on, you know, obviously I watched Bandstand, Bandstand forever. Every weekend. Every weekend. And I thought, wow, yeah, he really does look really young. And when I saw him in real life, I was like, whoa. He's got a lot of lines on his face. You know, <laughs> his, face looked like a, his face looked like a road map. He still looked young, but, you know, the power of TV, it just kind of right. washed that out. But yeah. uh, he was very nice, very pleasant. Yeah. Had the long microphone, right? Yeah, yeah. Stick, kind of yeah. like Bob Barker did. Yes, yes. Yeah, he was, he was very nice. That was kind of, kind of scary then being on TV, I have to admit. Yeah. And, but, you know, it's funny yeah. because when you're on one of those shows, it never looks like it did on TV. Or in Obviously, your mind, too, right? In your mind, yeah. Because there's just bleachers there. You know, they got a set of bleachers and people are sitting on the bleachers. You, When you're watching this on TV, it just looks massive. Right. And then it's just, oh, it's a little room and they got some bleachers here and people and some cameras. And and there it is. You know. Pretty soon there'll be green screen in the audience in. <laughs> yeah, you don't know. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. Uh, that and then when I did the uh, X Factor, that was a whole another thing. It was so... Over the top. Yeah, you, you know? sang in front of a lot of people on that show. Yeah, millions every time. And that was that was pretty scary. And is it really like a short practice week? Like It's a week. All of a sudden you each learn time. Stand By Me and then you're singing it that yeah. weekend? Yeah, you learn, you know, the first thing, Stand By Me, the first couple things when I got on the show, I just had those as backup. Because I, I wanted to do my own songs. You were prepared. Yeah. I, I had that as a backup. I wanted to do my own songs, and I wasn't quite sure they were going to let me do that, and which they didn't. And so I got them did one. They said, well, what else do you know that we know? And then so that's when I went, stand by me, right? And then I did that. And then I luckily got on. And um, 
still hoping that I could do my own songs. That was one of my main reasons for trying to get on the show. Because I figured if I could do my own songs on the show, you know, this could be a great break. But I didn't know if they had a collaboration going on between the TV and all that and the publishing companies from all the songs that had already been done. Yeah. Welcome to the real world. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so then it was like they'd give you a, a choice of about 10 songs each week fit your style or what and here or choose what, one of these or what style they wanted you to portray exactly yeah so yeah i kind of gathered that yeah reality tv it's not reality <laughs> it's, yeah it's, i'm kind of done with it it yeah. was neat at the first time yeah it was it was fun at first yeah. it's kind of like mtv that's that's something that mm -hmm. it was great we stayed home from school when it first came on mtv was happening man. 24 hours Straight music, mm -hmm. nothing like it. Next no. to except Soul Train and American Bandstand, yeah. it gave you an hour or two per week. Right. So but then, MTV was twenty four seven. And now like, you can't find a song. You can't on find it. a song. <laughs> and you haven't been able to find a song on there for years now. Why is that? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't watch it. So Ed I don't Lover know, and Dr. Just, Dre and yeah, it's just like uh, at the height of it when you know when the videos and Michael Jackson and right before that, just what was it nineties. Yeah, or something right there when they were just going strong, breaking all these artists, you know, and all yeah. the videos were coming out, and you were just like, wow, this stuff. But now it's all reality type weird TV shows. Yeah, I can see the, the rights being something behind the show. Oh, yeah. I want to talk about royalties and how you okay. uh, do the marketing and stuff. But um, I wanted to let you know that you can play your own music here. Anytime. Yes. <laughs> Anytime I'm not going to do any covers. Anytime you feel like it, <laughs> just right. start strumming along. All right. I need a new Bystander song, too, by the way. All right. Um, Pandora, Napster, Spotify, YouTube, uh, yada, 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 yada. You had a number, uh, oh, a great hit in Living It Up. Mm -hmm. I, I actually remember that. I, was, I think I was like 10 or 11, yeah. and it was at my, playing at my sock hop. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> can't wear shoes in the gym kids and not that anybody was dancing except me really? yeah, uh, everybody's standing around looking at each other yeah should i go should she come over yeah. here should i go it's this total segregation world oh i know the girls Guys on one there? wall boys on the other disco lights on the floor nobody dancing mm -mm. Um, well, they couldn't have booze so they couldn't loosen up <laughs> no 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 and it's, it was kind of like too early to be interested in the opposite sex yeah. or same sex or right. whatever you identify with nowadays. Yeah. Um, how do, how does anyone like I saw my interest statement the other day for the week or whatever it was point zero one of a cent from a bank right, and I'm thinking what is it like for those streaming services trickling down on a song that you know has been a hit and sampled by others. For 30-plus years. Well, that's kind of hard to tell. Um, I've had um, – I do know that it's it's tiny. Mm -hmm. It's the smallest amount. Now, I'll back up just a little bit and give you a little insight. The um, When I was first songwriting and, and when we first had like Living Up Friday Night and we'd written for Elton John as well. Um, you had record deals. Yeah, we had record deals. And then it was – you got paid from not only CD sales, which was mechanical, it was albums then, mm -hmm. it wasn't CDs, um, or, or singles. You Then you also got uh, ASCAP or BMI money from Airplay. That's I mean, the publishing rights? Those, those are mainly just Airplay and then sales. And you can get publishing as well if you own part of the publishing. And that's why it's important to be a songwriter, right? Yes, but even a songwriter doesn't necessarily own his own publishing. Kind of depends. I do now, but because I write all my own stuff and I have my own label deal. But in those days, a lot of labels would go, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna promote you. We're gonna do all this, but we're gonna take all your publishing, or seventy percent of your publishing, or fifty, whatever the deal is." Mm -hmm. You're still getting all your songwriter royalties because it's two different pies. You get songwriter royalties, you get publishing royalties. So songwriting royalties, you get royalties from sales of the actual hard sales from the, the albums, and you also get um, airplay 
money. Each time it's played, you get how many pennies or whatever it else is. And publishing is another pie. So it's like it's kind of confusing. It's like two pies. Now you might make money from your song, uh, from your artist royalty songwriting, and from your sales, but you might not make anything from your publishing. The trick is to make money from all of those. To own it. Yeah, to own it all. And some songwriters own part of their publishing, and that and that's good. And some songwriters own all their publishing. But the more you have to sacrifice to be on a big label because you're using their their backing to promote you, to give you advances, to do all this other stuff for you, they're going to take part of the publishing. This guarantees that they get their money back, but this really is the way they make their money. So when you were hidden, you decided to kind of step out of that format of the record deal with, with the big company and go your own but you didn't have the self-publishing and the, the media and the yeah, you don't social have that, stuff that's going on now. You don't have the so machine. how did you bridge that gap from then to now? Well, just just kind of fell into it. I, I didn't really know because, you know, the music business has just changed so much from the old music business, I like to say, that I was in. In those days, it was always, oh, we got to get signed by a record deal mm-hmm. because they have all the money to promote you. Nowadays, that's not the case. Record deals, I mean, people still do that, but there's so many um, artists that just do their own thing, you know, because you can do your own thing. You can make your own recordings. You've got, we've got all this um, internet, this social media where you can become a star just by whatever, you know. Even not a star, you can put some crap out there too. True. (laughs) With unfiltered, whatever you dig, right? Right. And like if, you get this, enough, if you get enough people that like it, you start making money. Yeah. I mean, and it's yeah. amazing what people will like. Oh, yeah. Dislike. Yeah. I mean, my son is always telling me, gosh, look at this guy. All he does here is talk about so-and-so, and he makes this much money. You know what I mean? He's just, I said, he's entertaining somebody. You know, it's, somebody likes it. It's this. hard to wrap yeah. your mind around it because. It is. Like we were talking earlier, um, we're not techies by yeah. any means. You know, I enjoy having conversation with people. You enjoy playing music for people. Um, but that may never reach the people if we don't grasp exactly. this You have other to side. have a little bit of knowledge on that. And I'm, you know, I've just got a tiny bit of that knowledge. My son helps me a little bit just because of his age. He's a little He's grown more up aware yeah, of that. He goes, Dad, you got to promote this. Dad, you got to do it like this. You got to, you can't do it like that. Nobody's going to pay attention to you if you do it like that. And, you know, and at some point I'm going, but I don't really care about that because, you know, it's all about the music. And then I'm thinking, but he's right. You know what I mean? (laughs) You can care about both. Yeah. But but in the old days, the cool thing about music was when I grew up, it was all about the music. We didn't see videos. The only time you saw the band is if you went to a concert. So when you heard the music on the radio, you either liked it or not. Didn't matter what that person looked like. And, and sometimes you only learned about a band by listening to a certain hour on the radio mm-hmm. or, a, or a fair poster. Yeah. Or going into the record shop and just physically flipping through each piece of vinyl and yeah. saying, okay, that caught my eye. It had yellow on it or mm-hmm. a unicorn yes. or whatever. Yeah, Steve Miller band, you were, yeah, I know. they had like no. a unicorn. and <laughs> They sure did on that one, the one record, yeah. It was like that caught my eye all the sense. So who's the Steve Miller band? They mm-hmm. have a magical horse going on a rainbow. Yeah. Right. So yeah. y- you've played alongside and written for quite a few people. Um, do you enjoy doing your solo stuff as as in your music, or do you enjoy the songwriting process better, or is it kind of equal? I think it's equal. Um, the one thing that, I mean, I really enjoy writing the songs and putting the songs together, but there's just, there's something about playing live and interacting with people that just takes it to another level that you you, it just adds another dimension to it because you're emotionally you're 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 on a different level. Yeah. I mean, you're, when you're writing something, it's it's great creating that and thing, but but when you actually play it, then and you see how people react to it, right. and how you can affect them, either sad or happy, or just make them enjoy. That's another high. That I mean, it's a high. It mm-hmm. really is a high. When you're playing music and you're watching people get into it and they're just like, you just can't get that just from writing the song. Yeah, a lot of artists, you know, finish off because they can't replace that. Yeah. Same with pro 
players in, yeah. in sports. There's just the they high that you just can't yeah. reach it again, mm-hmm. you know? especially in sports because you yeah. only have a finite finite amount of time. Time. You, you yeah. can continue Physically, to yeah. write and sing as long as your voice holds up. Right. Yeah. And I, I've been doing a little fact checking, which is like my number one rule that I don't do. Um, <laughs> that you don't do, but you're doing it. Yeah. You're breaking the rules. <laughs> I, I was trying to go back to uh, when you started and, and that type of scene. And the one thing I did notice that, yes, your voice matured, but it kind of stayed very level for you know thirty plus years. Like mm-hmm. you had found your voice quite early. Tell me what it was like when you guys first hooked up, you and you and Casey James. You know, Casey and I hooked up like in I want to say seventy seventy four or seventy five. The way we hooked up was um, kind of unusual. We were both. I was just playing in a band. Um, uh, and we were playing this little club in Tacoma, right on, I believe it was South Tacoma, right? And it was a, an Asian restaurant. I think it might have been Chinese restaurant. And they used to have music on the weekends. And um, I was playing drums then. And uh, One drum? Or no, drums? no, I had a whole drum. <laughs> I actually had a drum set then. And, uh, and then um, he was in the band, and he was playing keyboards. And we hit it off, and and this guy's talented, you know. And and we had a couple other people. This Hawaiian, well, this Hawaiian bass player, friend of ours, Bo Perez, and then his wife. So it was kind of like a lounge act, kind of. Mm-hmm. But I'd already kind of started, just started writing music with my uncle, and um, I remember telling Casey one time on a break, or going, "Yeah," he goes, "So what else are you doing?" I go, "Well." I'm, yeah, I'm right, just kind of starting to write, and my uncle's helping me out. You know, my uncle's Tom Bell, and he just kind of looks at me and goes, "The Tom Bell?" Yeah, he goes, "Get out of here!" He goes, "The Tom Bell from Philadelphia International Records?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he goes, Get, "He's just not believing it because I didn't know that he was a big fan." And he goes, "Oh my God!" He goes, "Well, I, I write, I like to write, and I write songs too." And I go, "Well, you should come on and, and meet him." You know, and so that's kind of how it happened. And then him and I just started kind of writing since we were spending a lot of time together in the band. We started writing together and found out that we connected. And bam, we just started uh, working. My uncle said, well, both of you guys, you guys are a good team. So you guys should stick together and and write some stuff. And then whenever he had, uh, we were very fortunate. Whenever he had a band come through that, uh, or an artist that he was working with as a producer, he would give give us a heads up. Hey, I've got, you know, Teddy Pendergrass coming in. Do you guys have anything that you think you'd like to um, show oh, to sweet. see if to yeah. see if he could do it? I mean, you know, you don't get that kind of chance unless you know the producer. Otherwise, you're just sending stuff out. Yeah. And yep. so we at least got an audience, somebody to listen to it. And there were times when it didn't work, but there were times right. when it did. Yeah. I think there's three types to make things work, and that's a maven, a salesman, and a connector. And, you know, you got to sell it, you got to find that connector, and you also got to come up with that idea. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because if the idea wasn't going to work, him being my uncle wasn't going to make a difference because right. he wasn't going to put his name on the line to some crappy song. Because he'd have to bring it to the artist, and the artist's going to look at him like, you expect me to sing this shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, no. Uh, no worries. <laughs> yeah. No filter here. Okay. Uh, no fact check, no filter. Okay. All right. So you were kind of uh, post-teenager then when Tom was teaching you how to write? And... No, I was early, yeah, early 20s. And yeah. and what does his uh, writing look like? You know, how do I How do I compose or construct a song? From scratch, there right. was no, there was no rhyme or reason or anything. No Songwriting for dummies. No, no, there was just kind of, what kind of melody you come up with. It's, that's the one cool thing about my uncle is that uh, he knew that everybody was different and everybody created differently, and yes. he didn't, um, he didn't put any kind of uh, boundaries or anything no on that. No restrictions at all. However, you came up with it. So, do you commonly write the music first or the words first? I commonly write the music first. I might have an idea, like maybe a line or two, but I don't have the lyrics out. And like some people do it that way. I usually come up with a melody, a lyrics, or a feeling of the kind of idea. And sometimes I'll write the whole song and only have one 
idea about the lyric or what I want it about until I'm done. Kind of where the music takes you then to the lyrics. And a lot of times the music will give me an idea of the, at least the emotional feel of the song. So being as soulful as you are, does a lot of that draw from, you know, I don't know, heartbreak, failure, any of that? Or is it just music driven and lyrically driven and doesn't have a meaning like I didn't break up with my... Oh, no, I don't know. It it definitely has. uh, Yeah, it comes from... Within. Within, yeah. I mean, not every song and not every line, but yes. Because there's a lot of pain in in a lot of the soulful lyrics. Yeah, and it's... uh, But I I look at you, you you're happy. Every time I've seen you, you, you're happy as can be. But Because I have that outlet, you know. That's the nice thing about that. You have that outlet to let that go, to write about it, to... um, um, I think most people, if I were... If I never had any pain or anything, it'd be hard to write. Well, what are you right. going to write about? I would have to like be an actor and make up stuff. Yeah, another My Little Pony Happy Land. <laughs> <laughs> another happy song. Okay. But, um, you know, either that or, like I said, a writer just making up things. And, and a lot of it is it's not like an autobi- it's not autobiographical. I can't even say the word right. Autobiographical. Yes. You almost threw it on me. Yeah, I'm throwing you under the bus. Um, but you know what I mean? But but a lot of it has the roots in there. It's part this, and then I might add a little stuff. But but a lot of times, um, a lot of the sad songs are f- from something that I experienced. Um, got a sad song you want to play right now? Oh, yeah. Let's try a song. Let's do a little something, something. All right. Make it sad, make it sad. No happy land songs here. Okay. Let me see. I didn't bring my harmonica out of the car, but we can do it without it. Uh, let me think for one second.
Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. That was beautiful. It's trying to tear up a little bit, so glad it's over now. Jeez, what is that about? And uh, is that about, to me, mm-hmm. I guess I'm throwing out my opinion out there in the yeah. now. It's about my child growing up. It's kind of, um, I think it's kind of uh, all of those things. It's it's child growing up. It's um, it's like foreseeing the fact that you're not going to be together with your mate who you're with right now. You see that this is ending, and and you feel that you haven't been um, uh, good enough in some way that you don't deserve something, and that's why you're you're anticipating this ahead of time. That's why you're, you're missing that person all already. And it's and it is the child growing up because you know that in a family's I've noticed because I have kids, um, two people a lot of times forget their their place in their loving kind of a situation. And the kids come in, which is great, but it's the kind of the kids tend to be the glue that keep them together a lot of times. And once the kids kind of grow up, okay. the glue falls apart because the two people have neglected each other and focused on the kids, they don't have any connection anymore. Yeah, connectivity's gone. Yeah, and then when the kids grow up, their whole thing is just kind of like, oh, who are we? They're like strangers now. Yeah. And that's kind of what that song is about. I felt it, deep. Yeah. Thank I'm you. staying connected, wifey. Don't, <laughs> don't go nowhere. Um, so many artists that you've worked with and... I want to make this about you because you're the one I care about here. Um, You've had an opportunity to meet and play with and write for quite a few people. Um, Probably most famous would be Elton John or Sir Elton John, as they like to say now. How do you just like run into him and bump shoulders and then all of a sudden you're writing? Well, it was a number one contemporary hit, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. uh, Yeah, he got. Well, that was another thing through my uncle. Hmm. And so, shout out to Tom Bell again. Shout out, yes, Tom Bell. Um, he, Elton had. Um, I don't know if he followed Elton's career that much, but he had a song back called "Philadelphia Freedom." Philadelphia Freedom, and it was kind of a homage to that kind of a sound. And then a few years later, and he was a big fan of my uncle's, so that sound, and so. Somebody had mentioned to him, well, we should get in touch with Tom Bell. So somehow they got in touch, and Tom was a fan of his. So it just kind of – Tom was like, yeah, let's let's work together. And Elton was up for it. And uh, so Elton came out to Seattle. And um, we were at K. Smith Studios then, which was K. Smith then. Then it was Bad Animals. Then it was Studio X. But uh, right there on um, – Not familiar Fourth with Avenue. that. Fourth and – Yeah, Fourth and – where it still is now. Right. Down in Soto? No, 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 no. No, right on 4th and uh, right down from the Cinerama. Right. Oh, down uh, Denny Regrade, Belltown End? Of yeah, but you're up. You're up on 4th. So you remember, you know where Cinerama is? You're going, you know where the, uh, whatchamacallit? Um, there used to be a Larry's Market right across the street, mm. and that's gone. And Dicks now. and Blockbuster and no, 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 because you're up, you're up on that's fourth. Too far. Yeah, that's too far down. You're down on first. It's up on fourth. Anyway, it's right. Like if you go up from where the the monorail is, like if you're going down towards where Nordstrom is, mm-hmm. and then you go up towards fourth, right around there, then you take a right heading north. You'll see kind of the Cinerama that's right on the corner, that big old theater yeah, yeah, yeah. that they've redone. It's like about a few doors down. Gotcha. It's right on that street. And um, so Elton came up, and at that time, uh, my uncle and I – my uncle and he had the um, – yeah, I keep forgetting. No the worries. offices, and uh, Casey and I had a little office there, basically a writing office. It had a piano in it, and that's where we would go every day to write – and Tommy had his office, and then there was an, another room or two. But there were studios right there because that's where a lot of people recorded. But 
Kay, which was Danny Kay, the old actor. Yeah, the actor singer. He owned the studio with um, uh, Lester Smith, so it was Kay Smith. And um, Lester Smith was um, enamored or good friends with with Tom. They became good friends, and he wanted Tom to basically run the studio. But Tommy said, "I don't really want to run the studio. I just I'll have offices there and." And kind of look over things. But anyway, so that's how we became to be there. And then different groups would come in because they wanted Tommy to produce them. And Elton was one of them. So imagine my surprise when Elton John shows up there. I mean, you know, and Elton so John is— So you're completely aware of who oh, he is. Oh, yes. That. This is seven. Elton John is huge. Mm-hmm. He's already been—you know, he's already done Rocket Man. He's done all this stuff. And he's this huge multi-superstar. He comes in and he's just the nicest, sweetest man ever. And I'm just blown away by this because I expected some serious attitude. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, here's this guy that's just good. had was a number one selling artist for years now. It's no fly-by-night crap, you know. And uh, he's just the sweetest guy. And I'm just like, wow, this is really cool. And we, Casey and I sit down in a room and play him a couple songs. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and he likes them and stuff. And then... And he's really, really nice. And so that's kind of how that came about, how we ended up doing a couple songs for him. So, um, yeah, I can't say enough good things about Elton. Just a, just a lovely man. Really cool. So, yeah, geez. Great I story. Mean, I know. Yeah. And it's like, and that's the way it was with, with a lot of people that came through. Um, I also sat down in the room with uh, <laughs> Case and I with um, Johnny Mathis, of all people. Wow. And sometimes people like that, you forget why they are so good. So good, and then you hear them naturally with no fake stuff, nothing going on, just right in a room, sing, and then you just go, "Holy shit, this is the real deal right here." This dude, his voice is just like crazy good. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just kind of blown away, and that that was that way. You know, my test is always close my eyes and yeah. not visualize. It. And just listen. Yeah, just listen. Then, just then you like, can really tell. Wow. I'm, not, yeah. I'm trying to tell you. I'm preaching to the choir here. <laughs> um, Temptations, OJs. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, spinners too, right? Spinners, yeah. All good dance party uh, music oh, yeah. right there. Yeah, they had some really good Are those all connections through yep. Tom? Tom did all of those groups. And one, a couple of times uh, <laughs> we were doing in the studio with the OJs. One time he was doing something and he – and I was singing along, and I'm in the in the booth with Tommy, you know, and they're out there doing the vocals to a song, and I'm singing a part, and they're just kind of humming along. He goes, "Go on out there and sing that song," and I'm like, "No, <laughs> 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 not with those guys," because <laughs> those guys had these big gospel voices, you know. They'd been singing together since they were tiny in church. Yeah, you know, this this is the Matching real shit. Pants, yeah, yeah, I mean, just, like, yeah, they were just they just had that shit down. You know, and he said, go on, you can do it. And I went up there and sang a little harmony with him. I was just about shitting my pants. But, um, Sweat, you know. Sweating with the oldies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was uh, good, though. So, really cool. speaking of shitting your pants. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice segue. <laughs> Who was the artist that really made you uncomfortable at one, one point in, in your time? For whatever reason. Well, <laughs> I don't want to speak ill of the dead. Uh, Etta could make you feel uncomfortable. Mm, Etta, James. Etta James. Yeah. She could be a handful. Was she worse than Nina Simone? I don't know Nina Simone, so I've never – I mean, I know her. her yeah, that music. Love, she's amazing. love, love, love. I love Nina. Nina Simone. Yeah, and she's friggin' amazing. But Etta James. But Etta James is amazing, too, was. And um, we did quite a few shows with her, and – she was ornery, and uh, <laughs> I'll never forget the one thing uh, we were um, doing some shows with her, and you know we never got to see her because she'd come on after, and she wasn't there for sound check. The band was, you know, mm-hmm. we got to meet the band and a couple of her kids that were in the band, really, really good players, and they were always nice. And one time uh, we made friends with her hairdresser, and he was saying, "I said, so Rudy, uh, how does uh, what does that think about us? You know, opening for her." And he goes. 
He says, she likes you guys. And I was like, wow, I didn't know that she was around. He goes, I, he said, yeah, she likes you because I, I said, why? And he goes, because they stay out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. Because, you know, we went over there. Hey, Miss Edda James. Hey, Miss. I, I just knew. Don't approach her. She Don't mess queen. with her. Yeah. Don't be bugging her with little shit, you know? <laughs> Just stay away. That's hopefully a better segue. Speaking of queen-like, um, Erica Badu. Erica Badu only opened for her once. She was uh, very nice. I, I didn't um, talk to her long enough to know any, to get any weird vibes or anything. Because she's um, creeping me out lately. Yeah, she's, she's, she was a little bit aloof, but, you know, she was a big star, and I, I didn't really oh, go there with her best you know so i didn't uh, and some people are just so open that you don't you're not ready for it like um people like uh, uh um uh, what's his face uh, making me drop names now um oh, no, it ain't about dropping names no telling no stories. uh yeah telling the stories uh um uh, joe cocker like we did oh, yeah. show joe cocker and he was just the sweetest guy you just come up, oh, I love your voice, and you, know, you guys are sounding good. And I'm just like, man, that's Joe Cocker talking to me saying this, you know? And I'm just like blown away, you know? Just the nicest guy. Did you ever suffer from like, uh, like, wow, they're they're up here and I'm here, and um, I put them up on a pedestal I, I don't really need to? Me? Yeah. Did you ever have issues with that at all? No, I don't think so. I, I recall my... My uncle telling me one time when I, when I was first, when he first took me back to Philly, when I was first starting to songwrite, and and we were in the building, and you know, like stars would come in and stuff like that, like the OJs, and I had never met any of these people before, and I go, oh my God, there's so and so and so. He goes, don't be acting like that, <laughs> because he was just like, you are an artist here with me, too. So don't be acting like that. You're just as good as them. This, we're just people in here. You yeah, know? we're and all human. He just said. He just set that bar right there. There's none of that going on right here. But, you know, you're always going to give props to somebody that's done something great. Right. That's you It's just a matter. I'm not, like, just bowing down and going, oh, my God, you do. But I'm, I'm going to give him props because mm-hmm. he's good at what he does. I'm not going to minimize it. But at the same time, I'm, I'm not expecting to be on his level as far as an artist goes. But I'm a human being like he is, yes. Do you feel – how do you feel about sampling? I know you've been sampled – yeah. Fat Boy Slim, mm-hmm. uh, Biggie, Biggie, yeah. Is that a compliment? Yeah, theft or yeah. is it a no, check? It was, it was, it was. It was, it was a, yeah, I made a little bit of money. Yeah, I, you know, Biggie was like he had some really cool lyrics. So I was, I was uh, very uh, flattered when I said Biggie's doing "Living Up Friday Night." Just that little bit of yeah. that little chunk. I just thought that was cool. As that's the best thing going through vinyl in some thrift store. Yeah, and then catching a loop. Or, or a bar that you just like that that's oh, yeah. a jam right that's there. right there wow like my son play plays a lot of this mumble rap that i just can't stand and a lot of it seems to be vanilla ice doing queen all over again you know add one more dun dun to that and yep. it's totally original and it's mine right yeah like i don't know what the song was but i was like that's poison yeah poison 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 and it's that's Belle Biv DeVoe you know yeah then I look at it how would this kid who's 20 something know who no, Belle Biv DeVoe is you know? it's like kids not giving Tupac and Biggie respect because those guys were long, long gone, gone before they ever came up with this electronic social media totally and and my son does this all the time now he's starting to catch on now he'll because he's got a pretty good ear but he would bring me stuff and I'd go dad listen to this he goes this kind of sounds older and I go because it, it is. is. <laughs> they just took that. And then, and then I, what I'll do is I'll go and try to find the original and go, listen, here's where that came from. Does and he still deny go, it? No, no. He doesn't deny it anymore. Now he kind of knows. Now he'll, he'll hear something that sounds old and he'll go, did they take this from somewhere? You know, now he kind of gets it. But first he would just think, that's what I go. That is an original song about 30 years old. Mm-hmm. And they just took that and made it, you know, into something else. Sometimes they don't change it that much. No. You know what I mean? Full on plagiarism. Yeah. So, South Africa, Sahara. Tell me what that experience was like. That was pretty out of this world experience. First of all, just to go to South Africa was, uh, boy, that took a long time to get there. Man, that's around the world, man. It's like two flights. One flight's like 14 hours. The next is like 12 hours. 
you're going, whoa. Um, but um, and just to be in, uh, it's culture shock. Mm-hmm. Completely, it's just like whoa, you know. And um, very cool at the same time. I just got to see a lot of mind-boggling things and people. And she was very, very sweet, very talented young lady. Yeah, for sure. Very talented. I mean, I, I can't I, understand that she's not a bigger star all here, around the world. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And it still might that still might happen because I know she signed with. I just recently, I think she's got like a uh, company in England now. So. That's yeah. still a possibility. U.S. for Africa. That was about five years ago. Yeah, that was a big deal. Yeah, and she had big stage presence during mm-hmm. that. I would. Oh yeah, she's she's just so got you, it. So like right there, and then you're on X Factor, um, really hot show, first season. Why don't you think that momentum doesn't well, you carry know, longer? I, I know. I thought I really did think that that was going to carry longer. I mean, a lot of people. Because it was it was viewed in I think a hundred some countries around the world. Right. I mean, I was, uh, I mean, for example, I'm walking down the street in South Africa and don't know a soul, and I hear people yelling my name. Leroy, <laughs> he's in the house. No, <laughs> and I mean, I'm just kind of like, wow, you know what I mean? It's just strange to mm-hmm. be that. Television is such a freaky thing that people think they know you because they see you in their living room. So they just assume, hey, I yeah. know you, you know, and uh, I don't do know. that online, too. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why that didn't carry as far as I thought it was. I don't really know. Yeah, because you came off lovable for sure. Yeah. And it was, you know, top 10 and everything. And she I mean, they saw me and wanted me out there and they flew us out there and we did a show with them, a couple shows. And uh, and it went over very well. You played in Johan- Johannesburg? In Johannesburg, yeah. How many people were at that concert? That's huge, right? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a huge. Like big, big. Yeah, really big. And um, it was kind of funny, too, because we did, uh, because uh, a DJ there who's pretty famous, DJ Sabu, he did a version of, uh, of um, The Change is Coming. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, and uh, and that became big there. And so we, we did... Uh, we did that song, and at the end of it, I do this little, oh, this, that little thing. And, and we got done, and the crowd was laughing. And I walk off stage, and then all of a sudden, the people just started all by themselves. Oh, they started singing that thing and brought me back out. Right? That was a moment, huh? Yeah. We were, I was just like, whoa, wasn't ready for that. So that was just like one of those moments that just happened. That's when, you, when I'm talking about with that, that whole thing when, you know, the audience – and the artist is this kind of a, this, this same plane. This this love kind of transfer yeah. thing that happens. Um, I like what you're doing. You're giving motion, like we're having a little love. Fest yeah, right it here, is. Man. It is. It's a, I appreciate it's a, that. It's a it's a it's a love transfer. It's like I don't know, swapping spit. <laughs> no, <laughs> not. I'm, you know I don't I'm edit. Gross right? now. Oh no. <laughs> hey, well let humor. let's get a little love song here or or. Let me think of once. I like that new song you got, Jaded. Okay. Good tune? Yeah. You up for that? Good. Yeah. Yeah, because you mentioned that. I get that. I'm always scared that, uh, should we aim it down? I'm scared that I'm going to be so loud in here, voice-wise, compared to the guitar. But I don't know that. It's all my $35 studio can afford. Let's get it, Mr. Bell. Come to understand the meaning The warning signs of all that's still impending Underneath the veil of good intentions Can't resist the wretched independence And I say, hey, yeah My eyes are jaded Hey, baby, these eyes have seen too much Walking circles and gray skies above me Once a bed of roses, now they found me On these streets of unforgiving sorrow 
but that's the way I see tomorrow. And I say, hey, yeah, my eyes are jaded. Hey, maybe these eyes have seen too much. That blinds me Cause I don't wanna go on like this Never knowing the good I missed I can't trust anyone Suspicion's killing me Well, when my innocence How beautiful life is How come I feel so lost This time when war is not news Passing chase and living Yeah, and I forgot the words Let's do that again War is not living news Living in this time when war is not news Politicians use their lips to confuse There it is Make us doubt humanity is alive Get it. Bring the fear so we hate to survive And I say, hey, yeah My eyes are jaded Hey, maybe these eyes have seen too much Hey, maybe my eyes are jaded Hey, maybe these eyes have seen too much Cause I don't wanna go on like this Never knowing the good I missed I can't trust anyone Suspicion's killing me Well, when my innocence How beautiful life is How come I feel so lost? Sound checks on point. You're ready to go. <laughs> Seven o'clock tonight at Battle Point. Yes, sir. If if you're lucky and listening to this uh, today, that means I got my editing done in time. If not, <laughs> catch my man out at uh, Triple Door this weekend. Um, Thank you. Where else can people find out more about you and what's going on? Probably the, uh, the best thing to do is go to LeroyBell.com. And um, I usually have up all the shows that are coming up. And, uh, and then we've got quite a few this month and next month. It's usually our busiest time is in the summer. Do them summer tours. Yeah, yeah. It's the best time. Everybody's happy. Yeah, everybody's happy. Got to get outside, especially a lot of stuff outside when the weather's been good. So uh, Tonight shouldn't be so blistering hot. No, either. it should be nice. Yeah, really nice. Well, whenever you're in town, you got an open invite here. Oh, this has been fun, man. Do another podcast, kick yeah. it around the island, whatever you want to do, grab something to eat. Leroy Bell, you've been on The Bystander. I appreciate your help. Well, thank you very much, Timothy. Give me appreciate a shout-out tonight. I'll be there in, in the audience. Right oh, on. That's that guy. That's that guy. <laughs> there he is, the guy who forgot his words. Ah. <laughs> All right. All right, peace out. out. Okay. Be kind.
Thank you.